Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest issue of China Success, a podcast designed to showcase uh, businesses that are being successful in China, particularly new foreign entrants. And I'm delighted to have on our uh, program today Heidi Dugan um, from the Arate Group uh, in Shanghai. Heidi, lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. It's nice to actually be able to get to have a great chat with you. Thank you. No, I'm looking forward to it too. So, Heidi, just to start, could you give us a little bit of your China journey and story? I know that you've had a, some colourful uh, past experiences, and yeah. um, we won't have time to talk about all of those, unfortunately. But maybe give everyone a, an idea of of what you do and how you got to where you got to today. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in China for over 26 years. Originally came to learn international trade. Then、um, my background was in acting, so I started working with the、uh, TV station here, and、um, I was the first foreign TV host to have their own show,、uh, which was called You Are the Chef. It's still aired now, twenty years later,、um, daily, and has over six million fans. Because of the show, we were connecting with a lot of. Food and you know hotels and chefs, and so it kind of opened me up to working with a lot of food and gourmet brands、um, about sort of how to connect with the consumer. Because my big thing is is really that I'm in media and I have a lot of a, fo- a large following, and so it was that connection with the consumer that a lot of the brands want. And so,、um, so it sort of grew, and I've done a lot of different、uh, jobs in the meantime. I've,、uh, you know, I did a lot of、uh, corporate training for senior management with large companies like Lego, Ford, Dell, and their their senior management would come into the country, and I would help them localize their strategy. And so it really sort of took off from there, where the two different sides sort of. Uh, came together, and I was helping those brands to localize, and then to then connect with the consumer, and that's really what I'm doing now: is working with brands, giving them the opportunity to understand the market, and to understand how to change their strategies for the local market, and also for the consumer, and then to be able to connect so that they can sell and then grow. Brilliant. Well, I've been really looking forward to having you on this podcast because I know you've got lots of success stories,、um, and I know that these days you consult with、uh, international brands from America, from all over the world, and also from your home in Australia. And、yeah. I know you're you're the chairman of Ozcham in Shanghai, so you're very connected to us here in Australia. Um, so maybe you could help us by giving us some good examples of companies you've worked with that have had success in China. And bear in mind, there are a billion people in China and 400 million middle-class consumers. There's a very big market there. They're all food is always a common topic and a common interest.、Um, and、uh, I, I'm sure you've got lots of、uh, great stories to share with us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my areas have always been very much focused on food and beverage,、um, and that sort of expanded to health and wellness more recently.、Um, but before all of that, it was really in the service industries or like the automobiles. And、um, you know what we found was when we were working with them, the success from taking an amazing strategy and a really intelligent. 
manager or um, leader to be able to change those strategies and localize them. It just gave them the platform to grow from that point on and the perspective on how they can change. You know, I, Honestly, if I was going to look at the greatest success stories, I, I, I would actually consider myself as one of them. It's something I've been working on for so many years. Um, and uh, and the, the companies also that I see that are successful are really those ones like Bundaberg have been just absolutely amazing. And they've just, you know, they've, they've been completely committed. They've looked at the market, they've found great partners, they've localized and they've slowly and gradually stood their ground and they've pushed and pushed and pushed. And, you know, now you can see it's it's just such an incredible thing, you know, when you see these Australian brands in all of the Chinese cafes and restaurants, it's, you know, it's empowering, it's exciting. One of the brands that we're working with at the moment is Bondi Chai, and I'm super passionate about them. They were the first chai company in Australia, and the things that they learned, having been that first in a country, we've really been able to bring over to China and to use a lot of the issues, the problems that they had then, and then localise it and preempt those problems before they actually came in. And uh, we're now just bringing them into the market. But there have been so many people that are absolutely excited, like the coffee chains, um, the hotels that can offer just something slightly different. It's a brand that is very unique. Um, and what I love about them and why I know that their success will continue is because they're very focused and committed. They only have three skewed which I love, and it means that all their power and all the strength is behind those three skew. They're all very connected, just different flavours, and the, the um, owners of the company are, you know, when you ask them to do something, they go, yes. They understand that the market here will be slightly different. When we give them their advice, they, they go, I get it. It's different to what we're doing here. How incredible. That's amazing that we've discovered that. Let's go with what you've said. So, um, so I, you know, I think, and again, you know, with, with what I've been doing is, um, building my companies has very much been about that versatility and having that sort of um, in-market understanding of what's happening. And you know yourself, China changes on a daily basis. And I really can't emphasize that enough, that you really don't understand the speed of this market, the speed of entering a market, of you know moving and having success in the market. But also, if you lose control of it, I also find that you also lose it very quickly. Yes, that's true. Um, and one thing we hear quite a bit of over here is that China is starting to localize and starting to be less excited about foreign brands coming in as they used to be. Do you, do you find that uh, at the moment or is that just something that we hear? No, absolutely. The government has done an amazing job of Made in China promotions, which is for 2025, where they're really promoting localised products. And I think that um, they should do that. Um, that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities in the market. What often it means is that those niche areas where um you know, the, the Chinese factories start to produce in that product that they help expand that category. And then the Chinese will go, well, do I want the China 
based product or do I want the imported product? What is the difference? And it's really countries like Australia where we can, you know, use the we're green, we're, you know, blue skies, we're fresh, um, that we go through very strict regulations to, you know, to approve products. They're they're all very important. But I, I think that nowadays you have to have also a little bit more. You have to have something incredibly special. Um, I know Australian companies with innovation of products is um, is really quite amazing. And, uh, and that's something that I would say and encourage any company to do is to really innovate on a product, whether it's a packet of potato chips or a packet of, you know, of newfound sort of quinoa chips, you know, things like that where they can innovate will be and be always one step ahead, there'll be a market for them. Yeah, and I think Bondi Chai is a good example, isn't it? It's a family-owned business in Tasmania. They yep. came up with a, a, a brand, which is Bondi Chai, which, you know, they're a chai company. Um, yeah. You know, you, on the surface, you might have thought they would find it difficult to enter a market like China, but they've managed to create a niche there. And I think their story is worth telling because it, it shows that pretty much anybody, if they can find that niche and uh, do, the, do the work properly, can actually get success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the interesting things is the um, expansion of coffee shops um, and cafes in China. And that's really um, the reason also where when I choose a company, I sort of look at what the market is and what they've got to offer. And I know that Bonai Chai is, you know, it's the right time for them. There are over 7,000 coffee shops in Shanghai alone. 3,000 of those are privately owned they're not chain now that is an incredible market because yes there's a lot of coffee out there but now what's happening is is that there's too much demand on the coffee and so the coffee is finding it very difficult to come into the market the prices of coffee will start to go up we'll see over the next year so what do we do then do we look to the teas or do we look to the chocolates well actually Bondi Chai sort of sits in that beautiful um you know in between uh, sort of a niche market where it's a latte like a coffee it's got some incredible flavor and it's robust but it's and it is a tea but it's just got a little bit extra um so i'm i'm super excited by this period of time and of course we all know that the bubble teas and those really niche like durian tea milk teas and things like that are coming in they're very experimental with flavors and i think again bonai chai just sort of hits that market of like they're going to be you know i i, I just see the day when they're going to have their own pearl teas we're actually creating some the other the day using Bondi Chai products, making the pearls with their product. Um, the versatility can be used in baking. So I want, you know, some of the most common um, uh, pastries here are the cinnamon twists. And so I want, you know, we're really going into the baking area and bringing in the Bondi Chai and helping those like a matcha um, would be used in any other sort of desserts and bakery. We've, we've created cheesecakes and some amazing things. So the versatility of just those three products is phenomenal. And, um, and just everyone is so excited. So we can't wait till we get out of this lockdown and we can uh, really pump it. 
Well, isn't that exciting? I mean, for, for a small family business in Tasmania to be achieving enormous success in China. And I guess the secret to that is to establish a deep niche, right? Because you know, you, you think that it's a big market, 7,000 cafes and 400 million middle-class consumers, but actually the, the, what you need is to be in a niche. That, that's where the success is, right? Absolutely. And sometimes that niche is something where the category is there, but you just have something a little bit different that no one else can do. Um, and, and they're the areas where I think that work really nicely in China and the growth of, as you said, the China market of the, the homemade products just help push your brand, these international brands that can fit into those areas. So I suppose that's lesson number one, isn't it? Is to establish a deep niche in mm-hmm. a fairly in a fairly narrow market and not 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 be dazzled by all of the big numbers that are out there. Yeah, yeah. And I I wonder what what other lessons can we draw from the Bondi Chai success? So so with everything and with all the the companies that I talk to, commitment is. the first thing that I look at, I will not take, if I hear anything when I'm talking to them where I feel that there is not a complete commitment, I will not take them on board. And that commitment can be anything like, do you have the financial ability to weather the storm for one to two years? Um, I'm not saying you're not going to make sales, but you need to have that ability, that platform and that uh, that that commitment financially to be able to do that, um, and the second thing is is that you really need to have someone within your team that is also committed to the China market that has the authority to make decisions, and then the third thing is the commitment for me is when they they look at actually bringing in a local partner. And um, so, so if I'm, you know, when they say we want a local partner that can do everything and that really sort of will listen to you, um, when companies start to tell us, no, that's not how we do it or that's not why we do it, I'll always look at a brand and their, their methodology of what they do. But if they're not open Ooh. to understanding, that's not how we work. And, and, you know, just not even in the market, if you can't work with us in this way, we won't work with you because this is the only way we know how to create success. And so, you know, that's that's the other thing is, is that sometimes bigger companies can be so um, stuck in their ways to how they do business and what it ends up being quite detrimental. They can't change quickly enough to to be able to grab the market, uh, the market and the opportunities that are there. Yeah, good. That's good. Um, and what about brand? So um, there's lo- always lots of talk about how you need a Chinese brand. You need to, you know, localize your whole look and feel. You need you need a, an outstanding Chinese name like Penfolds uh, achieved. Um, you know, how do you tackle that? Is is maintaining your own brand sometimes the best the best solution to that? Yeah. Look, you know, if a Chinese consumer is wanting to buy your product, they um, often are making the decision to buy an imported brand. So they want to see that it is an imported brand. So it really depends on what sort of category you're trying to fit in. If you just have a product 
Like for instance, Lay's Chips, that's a that's an imported brand, but they have completely localized because their mass market is not so interested in it being an international product. They're more interested in that it's a really good chip and that they can access it through all the um, convenience stores. So it, for them, it's really not as, as important, but they still keep their name, but they have a Chinese name to it. For other more premium products, you want to maintain the... Um, um, the, the international sort of status you want to connect back with the country that you of origin. The one thing that you have to be super careful about is that in social media is that if you only have an English name and you don't have something that people can to re- refer to you in Chinese is that they will create that name for you. And um, sometimes that's a great thing because then they start to explain it in their words. They start to use their own words to talk about your brand. As long as you're quick to pick up on it, take those words and then go and do the IP for it um, because you will then lose it and then someone else can then take it. So I do recommend, and, and as Bondi Chai is an example, we have created Chinese names Um but not for, you know, for the Bondi because it was easy. It's a location. For chai, we don't, you know, originally people were talking about Indian tea, which we don't want people to know. Actually, we call it instead fragrant tea. And, you know, for, you know, for uh, the Chinese language, we're all, they're all about, you know, the fragrant this or the fragrant that, you know, so they use this word quite commonly. So we talk about it being a fragrant tea um, and we, we can, always connect the latte with it because it then also connects in the brain with them with a coffee, a coffee latte, and that sort of culture that we're trying to fit into. So, um, uh, so yeah, so we, I think it is important to consider Chinese names. I think it's a very individual thing. You have to be careful with who you are, what you're doing, whether you just use a Chinese name, you use both, or you stick with your, um, your English name. It yeah. really depends. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things where for me, like Heidi, because they all know me, I always just use Heidi. And then I have Dongyang Shenghua at the end of it. Um, we're doing a new wellness brand and it is um, Rise with a Z and we don't have a Chinese name for it um, because it's much more based on the image. Same with Nike, you know, they're short, they're quick and they're very visible that um, people can associate it with it very quickly. So um, it really just depends. Yeah. Great. So listen, uh, just to wrap up, we're running out of time, but um, mm. lots of people around the world are sort of worried about China. You know, they're hearing lots of stories about China. Now you're there in Shanghai, um, currently in yeah. lockdown, hopefully not for too much longer. Um, yeah. Is it is China still a good place for foreign brands to enter right now? Or is it is it time for everybody just to start thinking about other markets? You know, I'm uh, I'm my personality has always been one where people pull back, I step forward. And those people that step forward and take on the challenge, the ones that always reap the benefits. So if you're someone, you're a company that is up for the challenge that wants to step forward, then China could not be a better place at the moment because so many people are stepping back. And this is just cleared, just a massive area for you to step forward into it and to be noticed. So um, I, 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 like you, am a really very big supporter of China. And I think now we've got this incredible opportunity to do something that, you know, we did 
20 years ago, but we now have hindsight. 20 years ago, there weren't many brands in the market. And then those ones that came in really made a lot of money. So we're now in that sort of same situation, but we know how to do it. So that's more exciting, I think, China has been than any other time um, in history. <laughs> well, that's a good place to end. But before yeah, we yeah. do, Heidi, um, bearing in mind there'll be pe- people listening to this podcast thinking about uh, what you've said and thinking about starting their China journey. Is there one piece of advice you could give them to help them get started from scratch? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Apart from call you, of course, which I think would also be a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing is you need to be ready. You know, don't be struggling with your own home market. When you're ready, have that sort of financial backing and then um, and commit to it. It's absolutely entering a new market is like starting your business again. And so if you're ready for that, then I think that China is an incredible opportunity, um, as I said, to step forward and take the bull by the horns. Great. Well, I think that's a great place to end. Thank you, Heidi Dugan. It's lovely to have you on our podcast. I'm sure lots of people will get in touch with you. They can find you via LinkedIn. They can find you via your your website, the um, Arate website. Um, You're very visible um, on social media. I'm sure lots of people can easily find you and uh, I encourage them to do so. So thanks for being on the China Success Podcast. No problem. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for what you're doing also about sort of putting a bit of light onto China and business in China. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for being here with us at the China Success Podcast. It's great to have you here. Uh, We look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.